1: Hi, Theory. Theory. Welcome to High Theory. In this podcast, we get high on the substance of theory. I'm Sharunik Bosu. And I'm Kim Adams. We are two tired academics trying to save critique from itself. Today, I'm speaking with Mustafa Yavash about alienation. Mustafa, can I ask you to introduce yourself to our listeners?
0: Sure. I'm Mustafa Yavash, and I'm a sociologist. I'm currently a postdoc at NYU Abu Dhabi, and I work on work, among other things. And my current research examines the quality of work life of white-collar business professionals and what makes a good job good.
1: What the heck is alienation?
0: So we can say that there are two broad treatments and expressions of alienation as they appear in existentialism and Marxism. In the existentialist tradition, the word alienation is actually not really used that often, but obviously it's one of the central concerns. The emphasis is on the human experience of meaninglessness and inability to understand the the events that surrounds us, a failure to make sense of our lives, and of course, the resulting problems due to such failures. So for example, in Albert Camus' brilliant novel, The Stranger, the protagonist Merceau finds no meaning whatsoever in life, and he is utterly indifferent to, well, basically everything in life and even to life itself. Kami further explores this theme of alienation as meaninglessness in a sequel, The Myth of Sisyphus. This story of Sisyphus is a great one that connects the existentialist and the Marxist threads of alienation. In a nutshell, according to this Greek mythology, Sisyphus was an extremely crafty human being who was condemned by gods to an eternal punishment, and his punishment is a dull, strenuous and ultimately meaningless task of pushing a giant rock up a hill, but when he reaches the top, the rock would roll down. And he should just walk down and repeat this for eternity. That's his punishment. And surely, Camus uses the tale of Sisyphus to point out that as human beings, we are condemned to seek meaning in life, except that there isn't any inherent to life.
1: So we're all like Sisyphus pushing boulder.
0: Yes, we are, unfortunately. At least come with things like that, and I kind of agree with him. <laughs> okay. Then in the existentialist tradition, alienation as meaninglessness appears as a universal human condition. Now, in the Marxist treatment of alienation, we focus on the same theme of work as drudgery, but Marx approaches work and alienation as a matter of freedom and clearly attributes alienation to capitalism instead of seeing it as a universal human condition. Marx outlines his theory of alienation originally in his Economic and Philosophical Manuscripts of 1844, very important text in which we see how the young Marx begins his critique of capitalism. It's a very humanist text where he basically argues that what separates us human beings from animals is our ability to produce, that is transforming nature into useful products, but simply the exercise of human creativity. Then alienation points to this loss of this fundamental human quality. And in this text, at least an implicit benchmark of non-alienated labor for Marx is that of the crafts labor. For example, Let's imagine a shoemaker who can take a bunch of raw materials, like a pile of leather and using you know his tools, his intellect, his hands, he transforms those into a useful product, a pair of shoes and this end product, first of all, belongs to its maker. And secondly, the end product carries the signature of its maker. The shoemaker can derive a sense of pride from his labor, from his craft, from the end product and also he has seen every single state of the shoes genesis from a pile of leather yeah. you know to a pair of shoes worn by his customers shared in instagram and whatnot <laughs> <laughs> so there is nothing mysterious about yeah. the product of his labor when we contrast mm-hmm. the shoemaker with the mass production of shoes in a factory let's consider a worker on the shop floor whose only job is to hit one single nail on every shoe that comes his way on an assembly line. So imagine the famous scene of Charlie Chaplin's Modern Times where he goes crazy while trying to keep up with the pace of the conveyor belt. Poor guy, where he's screwing the nuts onto some pieces of machinery. And we further imagine that he does this simple motion all day long for five to six days a week. Now. I think this is sheer violence. We reduce a human being with full of potential to a single, repetitive, boring motion. Then he is not a human anymore with feelings and capabilities, but merely a lifeless cost item on the balance sheet. And obviously he cannot recognize his creativity in the end product, so the factory worker cannot, unlike the shoemaker, cannot derive any sense of pride in his labor. Because first of all, what he produces does not belong to him, but to the capitalist, to the owner of the factory. And secondly, he probably has no idea of how to make a shoe. He's de-skilled, that is in the long run, he loses his ability to engage with creative production. This. Failure to live up to our human potential is one aspect of alienation. The other, and maybe even more important aspect is of domination and freedom. And here I would like to share a quote from Marx. So first, the fact that labor is external to the worker, that in his work, therefore, he does not affirm himself, but denies himself, does not feel content, but unhappy does not develop freely his physical and mental energy, but mortifies his body and ruins his mind. The worker, therefore, only feels himself outside his work, and in his work feels outside himself. His labor is, therefore, not voluntary, but coerced. It is forced labor. It is, therefore, not the satisfaction of a need. It is merely a means to satisfy needs external to it. Its alien character emerges clearly in the fact that as soon as no physical or other compulsion exists, labor is shunned like the plague.
1: Yeah, I love that idea of shunning labor like the plague.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it resonates, right? So the idea of alienation highlights two additional deficits, the loss of human freedom and autonomy when, how long, how to, and even on what to work. And second, the loss of the chance to engage with meaningful and intrinsically satisfying activities both in working and non-working times as well. Not only the end product of labor and whole labor process itself is something mysterious and alien, but also that alienation confronts us exploits and dominates us. If you work, for example, 70, 80 hours during the week, mm-hmm. you are exhausted and what can you do with that exhaustion in your tiny free time?
1: All right, so then let me ask you a second question. How do I use alienation?
0: The critique of alienation helps us grasp the vital importance of labor and work in our individual lives. And also the social consequences of the human cost of the modern organizational work And surely Marx is primarily concerned with manual labor, but we can certainly use the lens of alienation to examine non-manual labor as well, including emotional labor, such as customer-facing service sector jobs, or even knowledge work or intellectual labor. For example, we can use it to better understand our own woes as academics. You know, imagine an adjunct faculty who teaches four classes per semester. My heart goes to all of the adjunct faculty out here. So imagine that you teach the exact same material to four different sections over and over again. Although teaching is certainly a purposeful and joyful activity, when your workload is too much and that it becomes repetitive, you just burn out.
1: I wonder also, because you just used that word burnout. Yeah. I work in medical humanities and that's a word you hear a lot in relation to healthcare workers. This idea that treating someone's illnesses is intrinsically fulfilling work, in the same way that we imagine teaching to be, but when you get a workload where you're working from seven a.m. to ten p.m. every night, you you burn out.
0: That's why I like the idea of alienation. Actually, it's much more versatile than we first consider. That's been like developed for English proletariat in the nineteenth century. So we can say actually that you know regardless of the line of the work, whether it's blue or pink or white or gold color work, sometimes even regardless of the content of the work, the purpose of the work, as long as work contributes to an impoverished life experience, we can consider the presence of alienation. And Looking at the world of work through the lens of alienation, we can better see that it boils down to a matter of autonomy and freedom.
1: Can I ask you a silly question? Of course. What's gold color? What's pink color? <laughs> are those just words you made up? Like, <laughs> are they things in the literature?
0: <laughs> pink color is usually the, the service sector jobs. And it's because of the heavy participation of females in those kinds of jobs. Mm-hmm. I think it's a problematic way of putting it. But anyhow, Yeah. Uh, and the gold color is actually the people in my research, people who work for companies like, Goldman Sachs, McKinsey, Google, whatnot. So it's not just white colour, probably because white colour also came to refer to clerical jobs. There was this need to differentiate the you know, the color of the color.
1: <laughs> okay. So gold collar jobs are fancy.
0: <laughs> I think yeah. so. Yeah. They they okay. appear as fancy. <laughs> they appear as fancy. And once you're into them, the picture is a bit more unexpected.
1: And involves a bit more
0: alienation, perhaps? Yes, that's one of my findings.
1: How will alienation save the world?
0: Alienation critique invites us to fundamentally rethink the role of work in our lives. It points out that laboring activities should not limit us, but on the contrary, they should enrich us and we should engage with them freely and not out of sheer necessity. It's also an uncompromising concept that is directly tied to our individual and collective well-being. And as such, it's a great example of critical theory. Alienation theory is agnostic to material returns from work. Say, you are a corporate lawyer or an investment banker. Mm -hmm. You are a gold-collar worker, if you will. Even if you earn a lot, even if you are at the top of the labor market, as long as you find yourself burned out and working at a boring, soul-crushing job, it is still alienation and as such it is a social ill mm-hmm. that you know we should get over with indeed marx argues that and i quote here a forcing up of wages would therefore be nothing but better payment for the slave and would not conquer either for the worker or for labor their human status and dignity now of course this certainly does not mean that we should not ask for higher minimum wages or for job security they are Indispensable to satisfy our most basic human needs. It just simply reminds us that there is more to what makes a good job good than pay, and we should keep asking for more. If this pandemic showed us anything, it is yet again that the level of technological progress or our efficiency and productivity is sufficient to sustain our livelihoods with less work. You know, it's almost A century ago, Keynes predicted a fifteen hour work week. Bernard Russell in his brilliant article in praise of idleness argued for a twenty hour work week. And here we are in twenty twenty one with, you know, seventy hour work weeks, working our asses off (laughs) excuse my French, and burning ourselves out and wasting our youth, you know, instead of enjoying our time and leading meaningful lives
1: cool Uh, that sounds like a pretty good way to save the world
0: yes absolutely it will be already saved if we arrive there
1: (laughs) awesome well thank you so much for talking to us about alienation thanks for inviting and thank you for listening to high theory if you like our podcast please review and subscribe on spotify itunes patreon or wherever you get your podcast fix sharonik bosu manages our social media presence Owen Quinn composes our theme music and Kim Adams and Sharonic Bosu edit our audio. You can also find us at hightheory.net. We hope you have a highly theoretical day.